Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. Philippians chapter 1. Now, I mentioned this a little bit. I was really limited on what I could say right before the conference. I taught a little message on that Sunday morning on spiritual working, spiritual working on the inside of you. Now, before we get into our scriptures this morning, let me just say this. You know, it, it is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that goes out and calls people. You know, when the gospel is preached, uh, that's why it's so important to preach the gospel. I thank God for, for good music ministry, for drama, for, uh, uh, you know, all the other things. But actually, the Bible says, by the foolishness of preaching, men are brought into repentance. And when the gospel message is preached, there's that, there's that, I like to see it like a net that goes out, you know. And kind of like when you're fishing, if you pull a net, you don't catch every fish in the sea, but you do catch a few. You know, some get out of the net, some, some jump over the side on the boat, you know, when they get in the boat. But I tell you, when the gospel message is preached, people respond to it. And if they respond correctly or accordingly to the way it's designed, a spiritual working begins in them. I've got several people in my life that I've dealt with over the years that, uh, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've prayed the sinner's prayer with me. You know, I mean, you, 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 you hang out with people, you're nice to them, you, you know, they like you and, and, you know, they listen to you a little bit, you witness to them, they, maybe, maybe the Holy Ghost works some conviction in them, and so they pray the sinner's prayer. But, you know, they have no interest in church, they don't have any interest in missions and reaching the world, doing anything. Now, now I don't, I, my, their salvation is between them, them and God, but I will say this, the true spiritual working of what salvation is isn't working in them. Because when people get born again, there are things that change. We know that the new birth is not a change. That's newness of life. We become new creatures in Christ, not change creatures. But here's the thing. Uh, salvation should work a spiritual working on the inside of you that puts something different in you. I mean, there ought to be places you stop going. You just don't go there no more. You say, well, because the Spirit of God's working in me. Uh, there be th should be things you don't put in your eyes, in front of your eyes anymore. You say, why? Because the Spirit of God's working in me. Uh, there be, ought to be things you don't put in your body anymore. You say, why? Because the Spirit of God's working in me. Uh, there ought to be things you begin to desire. Your desires ought to change. Amen. I mean, I desire to study the Word of God. I desire to be in prayer. I, I, listen, I desire, I love, I love ministry. I've been in it now for 33 years. I love it. It's not a labor to me any longer. There are many years when it was a labor. Even tomorrow, man, I've got a long flight tomorrow and, you know, I'm going to hit the ground and, and sleep about six hours, get up and start preaching and, and, you know, those type of things. When you get, you know, middle-aged like I am, they're not as easy as, you, as they were when you were as young as I used to be. Did you get that? Amen. But we know how to take care of some of those things. But anyway, uh, there, there are things that are still working in me because of my salvation. That's my connection to my heavenly Father. There are things working in me. Then you take another step. You say, what do you mean? Uh, you begin to obey the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ because of that which is working in you. And next thing you know, you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to know, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and start speaking in other tongues, the spiritual workings in you go to another level. I mean to tell you, insight begins to come. Revelation begins to come. The anointing begins to work. Gifts of the Spirit begin to come, become available, begin to come online. All kinds of things. Listen, you just become a whole lot more uh, uh, spiritually sensitive. There's a, uh, a sensitivity that comes because that Spirit is working in you. And if you cultivate that, that's why we always exhort people. Don't let, don't let your salvation experience 
when you come to the altar and get born again, don't let it remain an experience. Let it turn into a lifestyle. Don't let the baptism of the Holy Ghost be just an experience. Let it, let, it, let it end up a lifestyle in the Spirit. Let those things work in your spirit. Then there are other things. Prosperity, which the, the, the foundational reality of prosperity is not receiving but giving. But if you are a giver, you will be a receiver. I said if you are a giver, you will be a receiver. Did you know that's a spiritual working? Healing. We've had several that are believing God for healing. That's a spiritual working that takes place in your, in your human spirit when you were born again. The word salvation, sotos in the Greek, literally means healing, preservation, soundness, safety, and deliverance. When you're believing God for healing, you're not believing God for something to come down out of heaven and hit your body and remove sickness and disease. You're believing God that that which is already in you will be released by your own faith so that that which is already in you will drive out sickness and disease that's in your body. That's why believers shouldn't need to be in healing meetings. They ought to be there to support them, to give money toward them, and to exhort others to be healed. But you ought to be walking in divine health. Amen. So we could talk about all kinds of these things. We could talk about your calling, if you're called to the ministry, if you're called to, uh, 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 to be a missionary, if all these different things. Uh, it was amazing to watch. Uh, we had uh, our missionaries from Ireland with us, Ryan and Kimberly Penn. And when I think back about their time here at Island Church, was five or six years that they were here, it was amazing to watch the spiritual working in them. For the first couple of years, they were just people coming to the church. Then something changed. I said something changed in them. And they were no longer just, you know, maintaining their spirituality, believing God for their needs to be met. They, they, uh, God put vision on the inside of them, and that vision is fixing to come to fruition. You say, how does that happen? That's a spiritual working on the inside. Many of you, business owners, uh, people working jobs, still those spiritual workings on the inside bring promotion, increase your business, cause your marriage to be blessed, not just on a natural level, but on a spiritual level. That's the level that you want it on because everything that you obtain by the Spirit or in the spiritual level, when you bring that into your life, that is the ultimate life enhancement. Amen. Oh, I ought to get a better amen than that. I said, that's the ultimate life enhancement. Now, did you find the book of Philippians? Let's look at some scripture here just for a moment. Philippians chapter 1. Uh, let's start in verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy. Everybody say, with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel. From the first day until now. That's what he's thanking for. He says, being confident of this very thing. He which hath began a good work in you will perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now everybody say, he that began. Now how many know who that is? That's God. God began a good work in you the day you got born again. Now can I give you a little bit of pastoral advice since I am the pastor? Don't resist that working. Some people from the day they get born again fight and fight and fight and fight and fight that working on the inside of them till they finally fight themselves right out of the move of God. I learned right off the bat, don't fight it, yield to it. Yield to the workings of God on the inside of because he's working. He's, he's at work. He's not unemployed. He's not, he's not dormant. He's active on the inside of you. Now listen, I love it in the Amplified. I was looking at it in the Amplified earlier. Let me find it here. Uh, that's in verse uh, 6, verse 6. I've got my old Bible, and it's so written up. Praise God, verse 6. 
Here it is. Is that verse 6 or verse 7? Let me find it. Verse 7, you're right. Verse 7, it is right and appropriate for me to have this confidence and feel this way about you all. See, he was texting. I always knew he was texting. Because you have... Because you have me in your heart, and I hold you in my heart, as partakers and sharers, one, here it is, one and all with me of grace, God's unmerited favor. That's not the scripture. Verse 6, and I am convinced, and whoever said sure, be quiet. I mean, 7 said be quiet. Anyway, verse 6, and I am convinced, I'll tell you, I'm still drunk from Wednesday night. And I am convinced, here it is, verse 6, I'm convinced of this very thing. Here we go. He who began, now I like this, a good work. Oh man, that's great. You say, what do you mean? God's doing a good work in you. Not a bad work, not a negative work. You know, I always get people that are always negative about the thing. Well, you know, you ought, shouldn't ought to get around them faith people, those prosperity, those Holy Ghost, those tongue talking. No, God's doing a good work in you. Amen. He that began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Everybody say, God work in me. Say, God work in me. Say, God work in me. That's exactly what he desires to do. He works in you and he wants to perfect something in you. He wants to work something in you that when it comes from the inside out, amen, when it comes from the inside out, it brings undeniable life enhancements into your life so that you see, man, God is doing this. Wow, God is doing this. Wow, God is doing this thing in my finances. God is healing my marriage. God is healing my body. God is touching this. I mean, it's, that's one of the most amazing phenomenons anybody on earth can experience. Nothing is greater than the workings of God in the lives of his children. Now, go to chapter 2. Go to chapter 2. Now, I'm going to read this. I'm going to take it out of context and read it, and then we'll go come back and look at it. Verse 13, Philippians chapter 2. For it's God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, notice that again. It's God that works in you, both to will and to do. Everybody say to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, let me read that one in the Amplified. Verse 13, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. Listen to this. Energizing and creating in you the power and desire. Now, let me, let, let me, let me say that again. The power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Now listen, a lot of people do not continue in the things of God because of a lack of desire. Now let me say this right up front. The thing that robs you of desire more than any other thing in your life is your current circumstance. If you've got a problem, you've got a circumstance, uh, you've been diagnosed with something, you're struggling in your business, finances are down, you will take and spend more attention on trying to get that quote fixed than you will developing in the things of God. That's not good. 
Because developing in the things of God is the thing that's going to get that thing fixed. Not you crying and begging and moaning and murmuring and saying, Oh, Lord, look at the situation I'm in. Doesn't anybody love me? Doesn't anybody help me? Listen, you'll just exhaust yourself doing that, and you'll get emotional, and emotions wear you out. Amen? That's exactly what your adversary wants to do. He does not want you giving attention to God. He wants you giving attention to your problem. Now, let me say that again. He does not want you giving attention to God. He wants wants you giving attention to his problem. But remember this. We've said this for years. Don't exhaust your faith. Don't exhaust your faith trying to get God to give you something he's already given you. Amen. I mean, if my daughter just came to me over and over, Dad, I tell you, I'm so hungry, I want lunch. Please give me lunch. Please, I tell you, I'm just starving. Please, I'm begging you. I need lunch. Give me lunch. You know what I'd say? Go make you some lunch. I got a a refrigerator full of food. I got a cabinet full of food. You got two legs. You got two arms. It's open for you. It's all yours. I may have bought it, but it belongs to you because you're in the family. That's what we do. We beg, oh, please, you don't have to do that. You're in the family. It's already been purchased for you. Healing has been purchased. Prosperity has been purchased. Joy has been purchased. Come on, church. Deliverance has been purchased. All you have to do is be a partaker. You say, well, what do we attend to then? Well, uh, what's it say over in Proverbs? Attend to my word. Incline thine ear unto my saying. Let it not depart from thine eyes. Keep it in the midst of thy heart. Why? For it's life, for you have found it, and health to all your flesh. God's medicine right there. Now, right there in Philippians, let me read it again in the King James. For it's God that worketh in you both to do, uh, both to will and to do. So God gives you the will to do it, and he gives you the, the energizing power to do it. Amen? When I, when I came back to the Lord in, in, uh, almost be, this March, it'll be 34 years ago, I still didn't want to preach. I didn't want to be in ministry. I had no desire at all whatsoever. I wanted to go into the hunting and fishing business. Hunting and fishing guide. Give me a nice boat, you know, uh, get me a nice four-wheeler, uh, lease me some land, uh, buy, uh, lease me some rice fields and some marsh, and, you know, uh, put a, put a uh, I even had a, a, a name for it. I was going to call it Righteous Wings and Righteous Fins. Amen. And, you know, you got, got your little card, got a Christian fish up there, you know. Years ago, we dad and I, dad and I, and Alan went and fished in Baffin Bay with a, with a backslidden Baptist pastor. That's what he was. He was a guide, and so we didn't know we didn't know that at the time. So we got out there, you know, we're fishing. And he, oh yeah, I used to pastor Baptist church up in Dallas, and and uh, I can say this because he's in heaven right now. And you know, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, all of a sudden one day, uh, uh, the 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 dye that they used to put in the carpet. Uh, you know, it just irritated me somehow. And the, and the ladies' perfume started. And, and I got this, I got this uh, uh, immune deficiency something. And I thought to myself, you liar, you. I knew it by the Spirit. And I remember we were, something was going on with him. And, and we were talking to him. Dad was talking to him. And we, you know, we'd catch those beautiful uh, speckled trout, you know, and beautiful redfish. And then every once in a while, somebody would catch a hardhead. You know what a hard head is? It's a catfish. It's not really worth nothing. And it's, a, it's got a hard head. And so every time we'd catch one of those, I couldn't believe my dad was doing it. He's sleeping right now, so we won't wake him up. <laughs> 
But every time he would catch a hard head and that guide would net it, dad would say, that's one of them Baptist trout. One of them hard heads, you know. Amen. But I'm telling you, God sent us down there to deal with him. And we went on several fishing trips. I went over to his house. Because, see, I went to Corpus Christi a lot and preached in, I bet there were six or eight churches in Corpus Christi I preached in, and camp meetings and seminars and conferences, plus doing my own meetings. So I'd just drive out to Flower Bluff, and I'd just drive up to his house. Every time I drove up to his house, I'd tell you, he didn't like it. I'd go in, I'd say, man, you need to be back in the ministry. You need to be serving God. And, you know, he never did. He never did it. And he died prematurely. He went to heaven. Sure, he went to heaven. But he missed out on all the glorious things that God had for him because all of a sudden, he wasn't feeding that will and that desire on the inside of it. I was the same way. I didn't have that will. I didn't have that desire. But what I kept doing is because of what I came out of, I had to get close to God or I'd go right back into it. My old life and my old lifestyle would have sucked me right back into that old negative dead lifestyle. So I had to pray every day. I had to study every day. I had to do some fasting. I was running back and forth to Tulsa to Brother Hagin's meetings. Next thing you know, I end up in Bible school at Lakewood. Next thing you know, that will and that desire toward ministry begins to rise up in me. Because as you obey the will and the desire of God, that gives God pleasure. And nothing's greater than you giving God pleasure. When you give God pleasure, he gets real happy. Breland's not in here, is she? I was so proud of her. She brought us a report card. What did she make in calculus? 97? I can't even spell calculus. <laughs> she just brought this smoking report card. I was so proud. I, it gave me so much pleasure. I gave her anything. She's already got everything. You say, why? Because she's given me pleasure over the years. I don't do that when she's not doing good. I don't reward her for negative or bad things. But I tell you, when she gives me pleasure, everything in the family is hers. And it's the same way with God. When you obey the will of God for your life and you go after those desires that God puts on the inside of you, then I tell you, God gets pleasure. Now, go all the way back up. Oh, good, I'm doing good. All the way back up, the first part, verse one of chapter two. Let's, let's see why, why the Apostle Paul, speaking to the church in Galveston, came to this conclusion, for it's God that worketh in you, both the will and to do of his good pleasure. It begins in verse 1. If there be therefore any uh, consolation in Christ, comfort of love, fellowship of the Spirit, bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Now, basically, he's saying this. He's saying, now, I've said some real important things to you, but you need to really listen to what I'm fixing to say. Hear what I'm fixing to say. Listen to what I'm saying. Now, first of all, he says this. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Now, he's addressing the church, and he's speaking into the church experience. And he's basically saying of those in the church, don't do anything through strife or vainglory. Now, those two things right there rob you. You say, what do you mean by that? There's people that do things in strife all the time. I mean, they get up in the morning, they well, I guess i got to go to church. I'll tell you what, I, I'll tell you, it looks like, I think I'd rather go fishing. I'd rather do it. And they come to church so reluctant, fighting the desire and the will of God. Then in the church setting many times, people are reluctant to do anything but sit. No amens on that one. You say, what do you mean by that? Everybody has a part to do. You're part of a body. 
You're part of the body of Christ. Now listen, you may have to sit a while till you figure it out, figure out what it is you're supposed to do. But here's the thing. Eventually God is going to connect you in an active part of being part of the body of Christ. And in that active part is where God really begins to promote you and bless you. But many times people, their, their, their desire, their will is kind of still connected to their soul. Kind of, I see it like this, and this is good because I'm going to be teaching about 6,000 preachers next week. It's connected to ego and ambition. So ego and ambition will always drive you. And being driven, listen, we're not cattle, we're sheep. You can't drive sheep. You got to lead them. Sheep need a shepherd. Amen. Cows need a cowboy. Jesus wasn't a cowboy. Come on, church. So you've got to understand that the, the, the strife side of it, you know, people, you know, you, you're asked to do this, oh, we need you to do this, we need you to do that. Or, you know, somebody didn't show up, we need you to do this. And you're like, well, if you can't get nobody else to do it, I'll do it. Well, that's not right. That's strife. Amen. I, most of the time when somebody says that to me, I just do it myself. I said, well, I'll do it myself. Forget that. I don't want that released around here. We just want the peace of God and the blessing of God. So. And then vainglory. Vainglory is doing something to be seen. Amen? And, and Paul says, neither one of those belong in the church. But it says, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better. Well, you just think you're better than me. No, I don't. I think you're better than me. Amen? Now, many times when that, that type of thing is said, people think, well, if you think that I'm better than you, then what are you doing up there? Let me just say this. The five-fold ministry gift, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, it is not the executive branch of the body of Christ. Now, let me say that again. Now, some people try to make it that. Some people try to make it the executive branch, and, and there are executive pastors. Well, thank, that's, that's between them and God. But as far as I can see in the Word of God, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are the highest levels of servitude in the body of Christ. And I can prove it by these scriptures right here. And listen, in order to do what this church has to do, I've got to hear from God. I'm the one that's got to carry it in prayer. I'm the one that's got to hear from God, and then I've got to figure out how to implement it. And then I've got to, I've got to trust people. I've got, to, I've got to trust God. All of the different things, and I do that to serve you every week. I've got to find out, Lord, what do you want to feed the sheep? What do the sheep need? What type of spiritual nutrition do they need that's going to cause them to grow up and, cause them, and help them to fulfill or enter into the true desire and will of God for their life? Amen then everybody else in the body of Christ falls in under that servitude position where we all find a place to do what? Serve one another. Amen? That's what a healthy church is. A lot of people just, they think a healthy church is a big church. That's not true. I've been in big churches that weren't healthy at all. From the top down. Amen? Amen? A healthy church is a church that comes together in the Spirit, that the spiritual workings of God are working in the people of the church, and they're working in the church itself to bring the will and the desire of God into fruition so that we can all experience it. Now, let me, can I read that in the Amplified? i still got a few minutes. Do nothing from fractional motives or through contentiousness, strife, or selfishness, or for unworthy ends are prompted by conceit, empathy, arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, let each regard others as better and superior to themselves, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourself. That's called 
selflessness, not selfishness. Now, this has to be practiced or it don't work. Now, notice this. Back to the King James, verse 4. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind, let this attitude, let this purpose, let this motivation be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You got to let it be in you. I said you got to let it be in you. Let me say that again. Some of you need to hear this. You have to let this be in you. Now notice, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus never had any qualms about knowing who he was. He knew he was God as much as God is God. He knew he was God as much as the Holy Ghost is God. It is God. We believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. I like to say it like this. God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Ghost, or God the Spirit. And that one God has the ability to manifest himself in three different entities. And that part of God which became Jesus Christ, he did not think it robbery. He was as much God as God is God. Now let me say that again. He was much as God as God is God. As much as the Father is the Father, as much as the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, Jesus is God. But then he said this, but made himself. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, can you imagine how that must have taken place in heaven or wherever or however it took place? Obviously, there was communication between the Father and the Son that released the plan of God. And in that plan, that part of God was going to come to the earth and get in a human body. Who was it teaching during the conference? That, 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 you know how, and I've taught this before. That, that, you know, they're, looking for a, they're looking for a king to take over. I think that was Christopher on Sunday morning. They're looking for a king. They're looking for a military leader. They're looking for a, somebody to rise up and lead Israel out of its bondage to Roman, to the Roman government, and become the new king of Israel. But he didn't send a, 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 a physical king. Yeah, well, he is a physical. He didn't, how can I say it? He didn't send a national king for the nation of Israel to lead them out of bondage to, Roman, to the Romans. He sent a spiritual king that would lead humanity out of the bondage of the fall of Adam. Amen? So he humbled himself to what? To the desire and will of his father. To the desire and will of his father. That's why he could say, listen, don't look at your own self. Don't, don't, don't look at yourself better than others. Look at others better than you. Why? Jesus did that. Amen. Amen. And then he says, he, he, he made himself of no room, took upon him the form of a servant. Not of a miracle worker. Not of a healer. Doesn't even say a redeemer. I thought that would have been a good word to put in there. I mean, if God would have asked me, what, what do you want to put in there, Rusty? I'd have said, hey, why don't you put, took, took on the form of a redeemer? But it wouldn't have fit. It wouldn't have fit within the context of what God was trying to tell us. He was trying to show us in God working in you and the workings of God in you and you submitting to the will and the desire of God. There may be some times when it looks like you're going to have to take a step down. Amen. 
I'm telling you, it's a step down for Jesus to come to the earth. It was a step down to be born of, born of a virgin compared to who he was. Giving up the authority of heaven, the majesty of heaven, his position in heaven. Amen. Then, then becoming obedient. Woo! I mean, you, you talk about the big one. This is the big one. Being obedient unto death. Thank God he was obedient unto death because through his death we have life. Amen. But now notice the next scripture though. Verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee must bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under. What did he do? He, he relinquished himself of who he was. He took a step down and then God gave him a giant step up. God promoted him. A lot of people are so unwilling to let God promote them. I'm so glad I'm doing what I'm doing now. I'm glad I wasn't doing this 20 years ago. You say, why? Well, I was not ready. And on a continual basis, I was teaching and preaching to more people. On a continual, well, maybe not. Now that I've seen those, seen those numbers and, and, and deals on the internet, amen, and then through all the ministries reports supporting them, so I'm not, I'm on, I'll take that back. We may be preaching to more people. I'll preach to more people next week. But here's the thing. God brings us on this, on this I call it uh, the glory journey. Faith to faith, glory to glory. And the more we get into it, and the more we yield to it, and the more we submit to it, the stronger His desire gets. The stronger His will gets. And so there may be areas and times when it looks like you're taking a step down here. I mean, it looked like a major step down when we stopped Rusty Martin Ministries. A major step down. I thought, Lord, why do I have to give up? 20 years of working, 20 years of traveling, 20 years of making connections, 20 years of developing relations, 20 years of that, just stop that and go down to Galveston Island. Well, I didn't realize later that God would do what? He would exalt me, promote me. Come on, church. Exalt me, promote me, do whatever he desires in my life. And there's some things coming up that's going to blow your mind that you're going to, See how the reproduction process of churches take place. But here's the thing. If you will do that, every step down you take, you know it's the path to a step up where you do not exalt yourself. God exalts you. And when God exalts you, everyone knows it. Now let me finish this real quick. Highly exalted him, given a name which above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee, must, things, uh, every knee should bow. Things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Now, here we go. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now listen, listen to that again. Work out your own salvation. So we've taken that scripture and what have we done? We've made up every kind of silly rule and regulation. Amen? I mean, you know, you, you, you can't cut your hair. I mean, I, the old Pentecostals, I remember. And they're, not, and they're still around. You know, if you cut your hair, you go to hell. You can't wear jewelry. You can't wear makeup. It's funny that they always put it on the women. 
And, and uh, you know, that, that's how you work out. There are all kinds of silly rules. If you don't do it this way, uh, then you're not in our inclusive group, and you certainly will not make it to heaven. Amen? I mean, there are guys today, friends of mine, that, that, that I'm telling you 25 years ago, they were flowing in the things of God, flowing in the Holy Ghost, tremendous anointings upon their life. But today, you know where they are? Well, you better have a menorah in your house. You better have a prayer cloth with a star of David on it. You better, you better adhere to the feast days. You better, listen, they could not do that. What makes you think we could? Amen. Amen. And it zapped the anointing of their life. It literally, and listen, they may, they may be making a lot of money and may, may, may look successful. That's because they're, they're convincing everybody they need to do that and selling them all the product. Let me help you. That's called business. That's not called ministry. Ministry is when you teach and preach people who they are in Christ, what they have in Christ, what they can do in Christ. Then you teach them the precept of faith, what puts it all online, and then you help them to find the desire and the will of God in their life so that they can be pleasing unto God, start down this glory path, take some steps down so God can give them some big Holy Ghost steps up. So it says, work out your own salvation. I love that because when I studied this years ago, it just blew my mind. Work out, work out, work out from the inside out. Get what's in you coming out. Get the healing coming out. Get the preservation coming out. Get the soundness coming out. Get the safety coming out. Get the deliverance coming out. Get it coming out. How do you do it? Go back up into the scriptures that we just read. You become a servant. You become a servant. In being a servant, and listen, that's, that's multi-level. We'll talk about this when I come back. You say what? Well, number one, before you serve me, you have to serve God. Or you will, not, you, you will not be truly serving the church. You will not be truly serving me. You will not be truly serving, we will not be truly serving one another. Number one, you got to serve God. That's the most simplistic thing I can tell you right there. Serve God. Serve the Lord. David said it like this. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with God. That means, that means every day you pray and you talk to God because you want to. You have a desire to. Every day you read his word because you know that's God talking to me. God is speaking to me through his word. Every day you meditate upon the word. You love to come to church. You love to come to prayer. You love to be, what are you doing? You're serving God. You love to tithe and offer and give. You love doing all these things. You love finding your place in the body and working in that. You love it. Just, it's just part of you. You're serving. You're serving. And in your servitude, you're doing what? You're working out your salvation. You're getting that which is on the inside of you coming out of you. Amen. And when it comes out of you, it affects every part of your life. So work out your salvation. Why, Pastor? For it's God that's doing this. It's God that's working in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So those motivations that come into your heart, motivations that come into your life, those desires that rise up that are holy and righteous and spiritual. <laughs> a, a, a very close friend of mine that the Lord connected me with right after I got right with God was called, um, his name was Effie Ward. I talk about him all the time, Papa Ward. And he was always asking me, what's the Lord speaking to you? What's, the, what's God speaking to you? What's the Lord speaking? And, you know, I traveled with him for two years and helped him and helped him go to his meetings and helped him. He was kind of a large guy and a little bit elderly, so I had to help him around and, and you know, wipe the spaghetti off his tie all the time, you know, stuff like that. But I'll tell you, he's a prophet of God. And he would always say this, Rusty, 
God will speak to you and God will put things in your heart and God will minister to you. But you make sure it's not a bean dream. I know what a bean dream is. <laughs> Ted's laughing. He's heard him say that a hundred times. A bean dream. You've been at Taco Bell too late at night. Had too many frijoles. You think God has spoken to you, but it's not God. It's not his will. It's not his desire. Oh, that's the most tragic. The most tragic. And I could tell you several stories. That just, and I'm not going to tell any of them. But they're so tragic when somebody thinks they've heard from God, but they haven't. And they begin to pursue what they think they heard. And then this destructive thing will happen. And that destructive thing will happen. And that destructive thing. And this destructive thing. And if they stay with it, they'll end up dead. Amen. Amen. Listen, the path of God does not lead you to destruction. The path of God does not lead you from one crisis to the next. Listen, if you're having this perpetual parade of calamity in your life, check up on your consecration to God. God does not lead you in a path of perpetual calamity. I don't know who that was for, but you need to hear that. He doesn't lead you from one problem to another situation. No, he leads you from faith to faith and from glory to glory. And I, and I still hear Matthew chapter, what is it, 411. Then the devil leaveth, and angels came and ministered. The Lord spoke to me about that scripture after the temptations of Christ. He said there ought to be times in your life that go on for months, sometimes for years, when you have no problem with the devil. You're just flowing in the grace of God, flowing in the mercy of God, flowing in the goodness of God. You're not trying to, trying to recover yourself from yesterday's mistakes. Amen? So I'll close with this. Every one of you in here, there is something so special, so outstanding, so profound that God has for you. Both to do and to be and to possess. But you have to pursue that. You can't sit around like somebody. This might date some of you. How many around here remember the old dialing for dollars day? Does anybody remember that? Oh, my goodness. Am I that old? <laughs> I'm just kidding you <laughs> Dialing for Dollars was this program on Channel 13, KTRK TV, amen? And so what they would do is on, I think it came on on 9 o'clock every day of the week. So you would sit there at your house, and they would take the phone book and cut it up and put it into a big bin. Now, now back then, the phone book was a lot smaller than it is, but they would, they would reach into it, and they would pull it out, and they would dial a number. And if your number rang and you were watching the show, you would know the word for the day. And if you gave them the word for the day, you'd get all the money. But if nobody answered or if somebody answered and didn't know the word, they'd add that to the next day's jackpot and the next day's jackpot. And they had some huge jackpots, $150, $160. It's about the biggest one I ever saw. Am I right? About the biggest one I ever saw. You know, it's like a $10 deal, you know, dialing for dollars. So people would just sit there waiting for their number to be dialed. And I know mine never got called. And I always found something else to do other than watch Dialing for Dollars. But some people, that's how they are for God. They're just waiting for God. Well, one of these days, he's going to call my number. So they just sit there and waiting for the phone to ring. But the problem, if the phone does ring and it is God, you're not going to know the word. Amen? 
but you can already get into the Word and God will perpetually connect Himself to you through the Spirit of God and that communication line in you through Him, from Him to Him, up to Him will never be cut off. You can constantly commune with Him, fellowship with Him, worship Him, praise Him, and then bring Him whatever it is that you're going through. But then he begins to impart desire and will in you. You begin to pursue that. And you notice all these peripheral things that I used to be so much troubled, they've just kind of seemed to fall off. And the reason is because now you're flowing in the will of God. Can you imagine after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, how little opposition he had? Now think about that for a minute. He had very little opposition if any at all. He talked to his disciples. People say upwards of maybe 500 may have seen him. Then he got on a cloud and went to heaven. And he's been in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father ever since. All the bills are paid. Amen. He hasn't gotten the swine flu. He's not suffering with allergies because it's October. Amen. Uh, He's, you know, he's just up there. And all that resistance that he faced upon the earth, he faced religious, governmental, demonic, all that resistance is gone. Now, I'm not saying that we'll find a place like that on the earth right now, but we can sure get close to it if we'll do what? If we'll allow the work that he began in us to continue, for it's God that worketh in you. It's God. That's why you got up on a rainy October Sunday And came to church anyway. Anyway. Amen. You notice about half our crowd is gone. But you came. Why? Something's working in you. God is working in you. Your desire for God was bigger than the weather today. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And if you'll just continue to follow that. The next few days, the next few months, the next few weeks and years, I guarantee you, you're going to begin to experience some things in your life. What did we call it earlier in the service? That are so life enhancing that you're going to be blessed and everybody see that blessing on your life. Amen. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you this morning. So grateful to be in your presence. So thankful to be at your house. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that it is you, Lord God, that's working in us both to will and to do. Lord, that the desire and the will of our hearts will be bent toward you, Lord God, and none other. We thank you today, Heavenly Father, that your blessing, your presence and anointing go with us. For everywhere we go, we refuse to go unless you go with us. In Jesus' name. Ever head bowed real quick. Ever eye closed. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.